0: Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging, objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm pleased to welcome the Communications Director of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, Brandon Porter. How are you doing, Brandon?
1: Doing great. Thanks so much for uh, the invitation to be with you.
0: You bet. Well, I want to talk with you today about Sunrise Children's Services, a Kentucky organization that uh, has helped foster children for many decades, and they've been in a situation that's a little unusual lately. But before we get into that part of the discussion, I'd like our listeners to know more about you and about your organization, the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Could you share with us some of your background and the path that led you in August of 2019 to your current Mm -hmm. position
1: yeah, thank you. Um, so, so I, I shared my childhood between um, a little town outside of Snow Mountain, Georgia, um, with Bowling Green, Kentucky. So we we transitioned um, from Georgia to Kentucky. Uh, my dad was a, a General Motors employee for many years. We we transitioned. I tell people we moved from the Chevette to the Corvette uh, over the years. If folks remember the Chevette, so I grew up in in Bowling Green and pursued uh, ministry but also have pursued broadcasting over the years and so I have experience in radio and television news but I also have 22 years of uh, pastoring uh, Kentucky Baptist churches um, served a little bit in Alabama but but mostly here in Kentucky kind of in that south central Kentucky area and so in in July of 2018 um, the Lord allowed me to come to uh, the KBC and um, and work for the Kentucky Baptist Convention, but also for Kentucky Today, um, our, our news publication there. So through through some transition, I ended up as communications director for the KBC and then also the editor um, of Kentucky Today. My wife, Monica, is also from Bowling Green. Uh, we have five kids um, that, that range from 19-year-old twin sons all the way down to um, an 11-year-old. So um, it is a very, um, very active home life as well, to say the least.
0: So, the Kentucky Baptist Convention has affiliation with well over two thousand churches and about three quarters of a million Christians in Kentucky. That's quite a broad reach, Brandon. How do you prioritize and focus the messages that you're responsible for as communications director
1: yeah so i think I think uh broad would be the the word that that we have to use there to to try to uh, not only reach into that number of of churches and, and try to come along and help them, but also into all the different regions of Kentucky. Kentucky is, is just a, such an interesting state. Every community is a little bit different, and so we have to uh, really aim at at resources that help Kentucky Baptist churches reach their communities and and, and reach uh, Kentucky and then reach the world for Christ. And so, you know, we, we aim broad at things, you know, evangelism, at discipleship, at coming along to help churches grow stronger and healthier and equip the, the leadership of those churches to, to accomplish the mission that God's given them.
0: Now, among the affiliations of the Kentucky Baptist Convention is the organization called Sunrise Children's Services. Now, they've helped foster children since, I think, 1859. That's right. Brandon, could you summarize for our listeners the overall mission of Sunrise Children's Services and the kind of impact that they have in the Commonwealth of Kentucky?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Sunrise was founded in 1859 um, in, in Louisville just uh, by, by a group of ladies at Walnut Street Baptist Church. O- over the years, obviously, that the, the mission of Sunrise has remained central in that they desire to care for Kentucky's families and children, specifically caring for orphans, caring for children who, who are in a foster care uh, situation, and um, helping to raise up foster care parents to care for those children and, and try to, to come alongside to broker adoptions with uh, children. Who are in need with families. Um, in addition to that, so in addition to adoption and foster care services, they also provide residential and therapeutic help uh, services for children. So, you know, children who uh, the, the situation that they are coming out of is so traumatic and so uh, difficult that they're just not ready to go into a foster care situation. They, they need that therapy, that they need counselors, that they need a setting where, where they are cared for 24-7. Sunrise offers that. It's, it's one of, if not the only agency in Kentucky that offers in a residential therapeutic care for children. So so that, that that's the services they offer. And then um, that they have a reach of around 1,000 children um, and families that they're working with. There are currently uh, just under 10,000 children in state care here in Kentucky. And so Sunrise is reaching almost 10% of those in in providing the care and the support that they provide. So a significant ministry that that God has given them.
0: Now for several years, the Commonwealth of Kentucky has supported Sunrise Children's Services financially, uh, which has greatly augmented the private support that the agency has always received. In fact, I think the Commonwealth now is more than half of Mm -hmm. the fiscal basis uh, as that reach and scope of Sunrise has greatly expanded. As I understand it, the relationship between the Commonwealth of Kentucky and Sunrise Children's Services is a contractual one and that that contract is renewed annually. Do I have that right?
1: That's right. Um, it started, it's it's not quite 50 years old, but it started almost 50 years ago. And the state actually pursued Sunrise and asked them to partner with the state in providing this care. And, and it is based on an annual contract.
0: Well, I'm glad that the Commonwealth recognizes the importance of what Sunrise brings to the overall youth in care situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, the Commonwealth included a clause in the contract that levies a requirement that Would be explicitly contrary to the Christian faith of the folks at Sunrise in that it contradicts God's Word and would require Sunrise to act in conflict with God's Word. And so the state contends that it is a federal government requirement. Uh, Governor Bashir, in contradistinction to his predecessors, including his father, has refused to waive that requirement in deference to religious liberty. Brandon, have I summarized that issue accurately and what else would you have listeners understand about the this issue that Sunrise Children's Services is currently facing?
1: Yeah, so I would say it's mostly accurate. Maybe one piece that 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 we need to to try to uh come back to is that this is not the first time Sunrise has had to deal with this, that that the uh, that the language uh the, the the language that calls them to You know, violate their 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 deeply held religious beliefs has actually been in the contract for about twenty years now, and uh, so through Republican and Democratic governors, they have been given an addendum to uh, remove that language from the contract, and that has allowed them to partner with the state without violating their their conscience. And and honestly. That sounds a lot more complicated and technical than than it is. The addendum is simply that the state and Sunrise's attorneys sit down and they mark through the portion of the contract that would cause Sunrise to have to violate their deeply held religious principles. Once that's marked through, then the parties are able to sign the contract. Again, that has um, happened through both Democrat and Republican. So it's not necessarily uh, it's not been a political issue. It's been more just a policy and a principle issue. And and Governor Bashir uh, Andy Bashir would it would be accurate to say that he he is the first who has said that that because of uh, federal regulation that he didn't believe he was able to offer that addendum uh, to Sunrise.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And it is important. Uh, I don't speak legalese very well, but uh, I understand that <laughs> distinction. So the clause was there. Sure. The thing that's different is it hadn't been struck out yet. Okay. That's right. Now, as we discuss this matter, I want to remind listeners of something that is obvious, but important. We're talking about a contract dispute of sorts, and I am not a direct party to the contract issue. Anything that I say is attributable only to myself and not to my guest, Mr. Porter. He speaks for himself, and what I say is not attributable to him. Now, there is some news out of the United States Supreme Court that should directly impact this case, from my perspective, as just a Mm layperson in the state. Uh, Listeners should definitely stay tuned for that. But first I want to ask you, Brandon Porter, uh, who would be most adversely impacted if the Commonwealth and Sunrise cannot renew this contract?
1: Uh, the children who receive the services, so, um, that the children will be most adversely impacted because, uh, first of all, it will greatly curtail Sunrise's ability to provide that, that res- residential therapeutic treatment. And so, uh, a a very needed resource would come off of the table, um, uh, for for those children. And then the other piece, the way that, that children would be affected is that children who are already in a foster care situation who have known instability in their lives would now be facing another transition that they would either have their foster families have to move and transition into a new agency and begin the relationship through that new agency, or perhaps even those children would have to be relocated if another agency uh, Received that referral, so those children, that case was moved to a different agency. Then perhaps that agency would want to move the children out of the home where they are now with the Sunrise family and move them to a new home with other parents who are working with that foster care agency. And so, uh, I think that is uh, that 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 is the the great concern is the effect that this would have on the children who have been put in a place that that was not by their own making. Um, that they have been abused, they have been neglected, they have been hurt by parents, by family, and and it was not any fault of the children. And they they will be the ones who suffer most um, if if there is a, a, you know, that this document can't be signed and the contract can't be renewed.
0: Well, that is important to keep the focus where the focus belongs. Uh, The Mm -hmm. people at Sunrise don't do this for themselves. They do it for the children. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Commonwealth uh, does not do what they do just for themselves. We hope they they also are involved in these things for the sake Mm -hmm. of those that they uh, provide help to. So uh, it's good to have that focus. I also want to ask you, Brandon, about religious liberty and discrimination in general terms first, because people do have differing views. Mm -hmm. If we allow the government to define discrimination as relating to any refusal to embrace every view every belief, every action that anyone might choose or prefer, isn't it inevitable that we, all of us, could claim discrimination when we don't get our way? And since that is logically the inescapable consequence of government folly, of defining discrimination that way, wouldn't that imperil the very religious liberty on which our country is founded?
1: Well, I think that that is the exact case that Sunrise is trying to make, that that if you are forcing us not to discriminate against same sex couples or about against those who would identify as lgbt q plus uh, when it comes to their application for employment or their desire to become foster parents. If you're forcing us not to discriminate against them, then how can it be right to discriminate against us because of our religious conviction? Uh, I think that that's that's the case that that they're trying to make
0: well, in such conflicts, I personally contend that adherence to God's unchanging truth must win against any claim of discrimination on chosen actions. And I emphasize the word actions because I want listeners to be mindful that actions are not states of being. Now, in fact, our very laws must be based on God's singular unchanging standard for equality to have any possibility for existing. The very essence of equality is that we are all Equally under the same authority and the same rules and that those therefore necessarily come from a singular source our creator He's the only one that can possibly be Equally lawgiver for all that's the basis of the United States that the government's not the the source The people temporarily working in the government are not the ones who create what is right and wrong well given that uh, It is encouraging what the Supreme Court ruled just yesterday that would have been Thursday the 17th of June Mm -hmm. So I want to share briefly a summary from the Associated Press and then ask you, Brandon, to comment on it. The United States Supreme Court unanimously sided with the Catholic foster care agency that says their religious views prevent them from working with same-sex couples as foster parents. The justices on the Supreme Court said that the city of Philadelphia, in this case, wrongly limited its contractual relationship with that group. As a result of the agency's policy, Philadelphia violated the Constitution in limiting its work with the agency called Catholic Social Services, according to the court. Now, they are part of the United States. So I assume whatever federal rules Governor Bashir is referring to would apply to Pennsylvania and to Philadelphia. So the Supreme Court seems very clearly to be saying those federal rules can't cause you to violate the First Amendment. What's your take, Brandon?
1: Right that, that's, I, I would agree with that. It seems like the, the uh, Supreme Court made a decision that, that would affect federal law um, in that ruling of Fulton versus. Philadelphia.
0: Now I also noted that uh, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron had a response. Uh, I want to quote briefly from what he said, quote, "This ruling unanimously upholds the religious freedoms enshrined in our constitution as a victory for all Kentuckians and all Americans of faith. We will continue." to fight to ensure the sacred liberties of our constitution are upheld for Kentuckians and for faith-based organizations to that end. Daniel Cameron says, we urge governor Andy Beshear to reinstate the contract with sunrise children's services in light of this unanimous ruling from the nation's highest court sunrise must be allowed to continue serving Kentucky's children. Unquote. Mm -hmm. What would you say uh, about that? Brandon?
1: Uh, I'd say it's consistent with what the attorney general has said for for weeks. You know, I I know that we interviewed him just a few weeks ago um on Kentucky today or for a story in Kentucky today and uh he he believed that at that time, which was weeks before the decision for Fulton versus Philadelphia came out, he he believed that Sunrise's rights were protected through the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that was passed back um in the early 2000s and, and upheld um here in Kentucky, I believe in 2013. Um so he he believed that that Sunrise had you know, every right to stand its ground and, and at the same time sign that contract uh, with the state for the state to honor those uh, deeply held religious convictions.
0: Now, the timing of what you're talking about there, Brandon, is uh, interesting to me as a layperson, again, because you mentioned that for a couple of decades now, it, there's actually been the clause that I mistakenly said hadn't been in there that would have required them to violate their faith, but that the amendment or addendum that allowed the state to strike that, so that both parties could continue in the contractual relationship, had been approved by all the previous governors until this year. Nothing changed in principle, did it?
1: So what? What the Bashir administration said changed was that there was a, an executive order from uh, President Obama that kept federal funding from coming to states and organizations who. Would discriminate against people um, obtaining their services or being involved based on their sexual identity gender orientation uh, what we found out was that the trump administration actually President Trump himself through an executive order went into that uh, that executive order from President Obama and he took out that that one clause, that, that piece of, of, of the resolution. He, he removed it. Uh, there was debate over whether he had removed it or whether he was just choosing not to enforce it. And that that's what the Bashir administration pointed to uh, back in May of this year, when, when we first began talking to them and asking them about that, that they were looking into that to see if that was still enforceable. The governor was waiting on President Biden to reenact that piece of, the, of that executive order. Um, he believed that that was coming in August. And so um, it, it looked as if Sunrise had been given a, a date of June 30th to sign the contract or lose their ability to be able to partner with the state, to have children referred to them and then receive that funding from the state. But then in the midst of everything I've just said about the, the back and forth between the, those different presidential administrations, Governor Bashir was going to extend that that deadline to September 1st while he waited on President Biden to take action. Now we have Fulton versus Philadelphia, which seems to upend all of that. And it puts in place a, a clear understanding of what federal law is. And, and it seems that, that it alleviates any reason that Governor Bashir could not extend this contract to Sunrise and allow them to sign it.
0: Absolutely. As I read the summary of Fulton, It says unambiguously, President Trump was correct, not that it was ever his idea, but it's a principle that applied Mm -hmm. from time immemorial, and that whether Obama or Biden or anybody else said otherwise, the Constitution says, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. So the fact that that was nine to zero makes it pretty clear that it's not really a debatable matter. The Supreme Court justices do not tend to align with one another that closely. Mm-hmm.
1: That That's right. I, and I think that that is the message that they they wanted to send loud and clear that they they were together on this.
0: However, Governor Andy Bashir yesterday also made statements. Uh, I personally found them appalling and deflective of the only issue in question. He very strongly uh, expressed resentment for the adherence to God's word that Christian organizations try to have. But even he seemed to realize in the statements that the Supreme Court's ruling to uphold the first amendment will make it ultimately impossible for him to do what he wants to do. So Brandon, do you expect this? And I'm just asking for prognostication. You don't have uh, any crystal ball that I don't have, but uh, just your opinion. Do you expect that this overwhelming unambiguous ruling from the United States Supreme court will be enough to make the governor relent?
1: I believe so. I believe it should certainly hopeful that, that it does.
0: Do you uh, have any idea whether that could happen in the original timeline or that they may still wait till the end of August?
1: I would think that it would happen June 30th because of the uh, fiscal nature of, of all of this, you know, that the state runs on a fiscal year so that um, that the, the details of this need to, to move along and get wrapped up. Uh, state law goes into effect, um, you know, th- things that are passed by the General Assembly that are not declared in an emergency that they go into effect on July the 1st um, so that June 30th date is significant when it comes to state government and their their action moving forward.
0: Well there there will always be people like Andy Bashir and it will become more and more important and more essential for Christians to defend their faith against assaults. But from your vantage as communication director for the KBC, what advice or encouragement can you offer Christians in these times where the world is getting more brazen and more hostile against God's truth?
1: Well, I would first so speak. Speaking to Christians, I would first um, encourage them to be gracious, to be winsome um, in, in what they uh, in what they do and how they speak and how they represent themselves. To always remember that that um, as as God's people, as Christians, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And so, we want our character, we want our tone, uh, we want the spirit in which we speak and act to uh, be faithful, um, to honor Him, and and to uh, Put on display that the good things that he has done for us and in us, um, as he has called us to himself. But I would also encourage people to to stand up for for what they believe in and to stand up for their convictions and and to trust um, trust the, the the First Amendment. And and you know we we don't want to walk away. We don't want to give up on that. We we want to uh continue to to take those steps uh, to remain faithful to the liberties that, that God has given us that have been recognized by our founding fathers that have been placed in um, our our documents that that, that guide us and, and direct us and then along with that um, ultimately our faith is not in those documents ultimately our faith is in God, and so we we continue to trust him and um, ask him to to give us pure motives um, and and uh, a pure method as we pursue going about uh, Doing good for for uh, the church, for our neighbors, for the state, for our local communities. I mean that you know again. That, I think that that connects back to your question about who will be hurt most. Why is sunrise? Fighting this battle is it so that sunrise can continue to exist? Is it so that the name of the Kentucky Baptist Convention will continue on and 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 you know be lifted high? It is not. It is for the good of those children. It, it is to care for the orphan. It's to care for those who are in need, um, as Scripture has commanded God's people to care about them, to be a voice for the voiceless and to, to care about the orphan and the, the fatherless. And so, you know, we, we want to be about pursuing, um, obedience to what God has called us to.
0: Well, amen to all of that. And, uh, that's wise counsel all around and particularly about the, uh, the way that we speak on these topics. Um, mm-hmm. we always want to uphold truth, capital T truth, mm-hmm. and to do so in love. And I, mm-hmm would say, as I have said on previous podcasts, um, those two are never ever in conflict because God is truth and God is love. Right. Therefore, they are the same thing. So when we speak That's the right. truth, we are expressing love and we should do so yeah. lovingly. So Absolutely. I appreciate that from the communications director. That's very wise counsel <laughs> on how to communicate. Thank you. Um, well, thank you so much, Brandon Porter, for being my guest today on Core Principles. God bless you. Thank you.
1: God bless you. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at LateJuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.